the volume. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Manning. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, joining me this week, one of my favorite people in boxing. He is the former heavyweight title challenger, radio personality. You can hear him at the fights, which airs every Monday and Friday on the Sirius XM Fight Nation channel. He is the great Jerry Cooney. How are you, Jerry? Old and cranky. Cranky. No, everything is, I said old and cranky. No, I'm great. You know, I'm so <laughs> grateful. I'm I'm in the business I love. I get to come on, do radio. I got a radio face now, so I can do the radio. It's all beautiful. And uh, listen, I break down the fights. I tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like it, maybe some of them, but I tell the truth. I mean, how can you have like a guy like Joshua, the heavyweight champion, three belts. He's fighting Usyk, a faster guy, good, talented boxer, and try and outbox him. You gotta, you gotta, after the seventh or eighth round, you gotta say, well, it's not working. Forget what, forget the plan. Go fight him. Mm. It's a heavyweight champ of the world. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. I was like shocked. And no, if, he was... had, if he got to Usyk's body, he could have taken him out of that. I believe that. I agree. Um, that was the second time in four fights where I've seen Anthony Joshua not use his physical tools in the way that other big heavyweights have, especially in recent memory. 
Vladimir Klitschko, Lennox Lewis, and even Tyson Fury, I think, operates as one of the smarter big man in the game where he leans on you. He, he uses every inch of that six foot nine frame and every pound in the 250 plus whatever he's carrying at that time. Yeah, and, but you know, look, Chris, let me tell you, he makes the guys box him. You fight Tyson Fury. It's not like maybe I'm going to get to the body this mm-hmm. round. I got to get into the body and land one or two. The next time land one or two, the hands will come down. There, mm-hmm. There's other things to do than box a great box. That's what Usyk did to Joshua. You can't do it. You got to do something different. And if you have no corner telling you that, that's pathetic at this level of the game. I agree. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with that assessment. How many? How often, Jerry, when you watch today's heavyweights, do you wonder how you would have fared against said heavyweight? Yeah, I mean, listen, I you know I I love to fight. You know, I I made mistakes. I was drinking and partying in my heyday. The night I knocked out Norton, did I know my career ended that night? Had I had someone to grab me by the arm and say, Cooney, I don't know if I got scared of the success or you know, from my upbringing or whatever it was, had I had somebody that said, come on, Cooney, it's important now, I could have done some great things. Had I got a rematch with Holmes right away, I learned so much that night in fighting Holmes, I could have taken that into the second fight, it could have been different. But this is the life. Well, so what happened? So I saved my money, I saved my brains, have a great life today. And it wasn't meant to be. I could be walking around on my heels today. It didn't happen for me. I, I I wanted to have more fights. King wouldn't give me anybody. That's just the way it turned out. So it saved me in the end. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to have had a better shot at it. You know, yeah, I, had I, mean, pres- I had President Reagan's a phone line to my training, to my, uh, my uh, you know, uh, locker room, and I didn't get the call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Norton fight, you know, I would say your biggest win. 54 seconds, you knock out. Ken Norton, you headline Madison Square Garden for the first time. What do you remember about kind of that experience? You know, walking into that building, fighting that guy, and fighting the way you did. You know, listen, when I went to the garden, when you hear the roar of the crowd in the dressing room, you take that walk and your life passes before you. And when you get to hear the roar of the crowd, you become magical. And I didn't know it at the time, but if you back Norton up, he can't fight. Just like Wilder. You know, you know, when 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 Fury got off the canvas, he got up and walked Wilder down. Wilder couldn't fight. That's what happened with Norton and I. I backed him up. I hit him with the right hand. I turned him over. But what I really needed between Norton and Holmes was three or four fights. Mm. Don King wouldn't give me nobody because I wouldn't sign with him. Mm. What did you expect? I mean, when at what point during that Norton fight did you think, well, this is going to be my night? I thought I'm in I'm for hell tonight. This guy's gonna beat my ass. But I knew that I, I you know, like I remember thinking about when I was came back from Europe and I was fighting the Russian heavyweight team in the garden. And I thought to myself, I just gotta hit him, let him feel my power. And I hit him with a chin and knocked him out. And that's what I did with Norton. I bent down, I hit him with the right hand to the body, and he buckled. And I thought to myself, what? That felt good. Let me take a shot. Let me take a shot here. And I caught him on the rope. When I caught up with his timing, I hit him with an uppercut. It was all over. They could have stopped that in 40 seconds. It, it, I, you say, it's funny you say that, Jerry. It's, it's tough to watch in a way because the referee should have stepped in there probably five seconds before he did. I mean, you, not your fault. You were, you're the boxer. Like, well, but I, Norton was I mean, done. I, 
I came around to my right. I looked at him, but he wasn't saying nothing. And it did feel pretty good. So I came back mm -hmm. and thank God they stopped it when they did, because on the back page of all the, on the front page of all the news in New York, it said four punches from death. I, I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's probably true as well. The way that, uh, that fight ended. Uh, when did you first know you could punch? I didn't know. Till I, I never really knew I was such a big puncher till after my career was over. Like, I didn't know how, you know, I heard, listened to George Foreman tell David Letterman, Letterman said, hey, who's the biggest punch you ever fought? He said, Jerry Cooney. That was amazing to me. But after I finished fighting, I realized how many broken ribs I gave people, how many broken orbital pits, how many broken noses. I did it, you know, and I didn't know my own strength. And I just realized after the game is over that professional athletes are just stronger than the regular Joe. Mm -hmm. They're just stronger. You said just a minute ago that your career ended after the Norton fight. Yeah. Why, do, why do you feel that? Because that was the night that I started to party. I felt like either I deserved it or I was scared who I was becoming. Because I, be I grew up with, you're no good, you're a failure, you're not going to amount to anything. So, that, I mean, these things were happening to me. It was like, I couldn't believe it. And that night, I think I got scared. Or if I thought, well, let me drink. And if I lose, then it'll be, I can blame it on that. Mm. It was, it's terrible, terrible thinking what you do when you grow up in an household like that. And I wished the life of me, I had had somebody who would have said, come on, kid, let's go. Let's take a shot here. Let's pay attention. This is important now. I told Riddick Bowe years ago, listen, five years, pay attention. Pay attention. He didn't. He didn't. And look what happens. So, you know, we all make mistakes. I did. Hopefully one day I'll be able to touch that one kid and I can take him, to let him go the distance. You, um... You know, after the Norton fight, you're white hot at that point. But it's about 13 months yeah. before you Terrible. face. Yeah. What what went on in that time? I should have fought three times. Mm -hmm. King kept me out because I wouldn't sign with him. My managers, they didn't want me to fight anybody else. They wanted the big payday. And I'm the guy in the middle. I got two managers that can't stand each other. And I'm in the middle all the time. And then I got Don King over that can't stand him. And I'm the guy catching lousy press. Cause I'm not fighting, but it wasn't me. I wanted to fight. I wanted to be the best I could when I get in with Holmes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be better than I was, you know? And, and I found out after the fight was over last year, Holmes told me he never drank, never smoked, never took a drug his whole career. Mm -hmm. I started drinking at 12. So I didn't know if you don't take care of the car, your car, you don't change the, the you know, the oil, you don't change it the transmission fluid you don't check the tires it's not going to run forever so I, I i i fell prey to that and it's happened in the past i've seen it i've watched it and i got caught up in it without even realizing it for people jerry that don't understand the power that don king held in the 1980s how would you describe it he owned everybody he owned everybody and he robbed, I shouldn't, I don't say, I shouldn't say it, but you know, he really played the game. He, he held all the cards. I remember the, hearing the story. He went to great pages. Father was in the hospital telling him, you got to get your kid to sign with me. His father was dying on his deathbed. How do you, you know, those things like that. So, but anyway, you know, it's, it's, that was boxing at the time. It's better now. I'm sure it's not great now either but it's better, way better than it was. I feel excited about that. 
And I tell everybody, when you sign a contract, take it to the commission, get them to read it for you. Tell them what you're doing. Cause kids don't do it. They think it's going to be fun. I signed a 16 year contract. Little did I know. I never asked a question because I thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. How you like that? Yeah. Like it's, I pray it's that they don't do it anymore. Mm. You know, it, it's funny. The guy you fought, Larry Holmes, once told me, to your point about taking it to the commission, he once told me that every time Don called and said, this is the amount of money on the table, he would turn and call whoever it was, HBO at that time, and double check, basically, if that was what it was. And you're a great friend of mine, Rich O'Brien, had a great line about Larry Holmes once where he said, that's the reason that Larry Holmes is working in the Larry Holmes office in the Larry Holmes building on Larry Holmes drive in Easton, Pennsylvania. He was always sure to make sure he wasn't getting ripped off. And my, my solution was I had two managers that didn't like each other. So I had one watch the other, but then in the big fight, they just got into bed together. Mm. So I did the best I could, you know, man, we did the best we could. And I did, I turned out. Okay. I'm, I'm, I got most of my marbles unless you talk to my wife. And I'm helping people every day of my life. I, I'm, I haven't had a drink in 33 years and a half years. And life is really great for me, bro. Very good. How, how much would you have benefited from one or two fights between the, before the Holmes fight? Uh, what do you think? I, I'm the, guessing a lot. Uh, I'm just wondering how, you know. Yeah. The experience, the different looks, the, uh, you know, being in front of the crowd, instead of 13 months later, uh, it could have been a lot of difference, but I mean, I was still not taking care of myself so good. So, you know, it happened the way it turned out, you know, perfect case scenario. Yeah. I wish I would have had two more fights and learned, you know, learn more about myself and how to adapt, how to make those changes, how to, how to adjust, you know, how to look, you know, I love watching the expression on the guy's face. When I landed a body shot, you could see the fight leaving him. Mm-hmm. Those were the days, but they only last a moment. Those those world class moments they don't last that long. You land in your day. You landed some savage body shots. Just watching back body. your old clips, I loved the body. And I became a body puncher because I saw my brother in a bar when I was seventeen. Somebody pushed him. He, they went outside. The guy was about six nine. My brother hit him with a, a left hook to the body and a right hand to the jaw, knocked him out cold, and knocked the wind out of him. And that's how I became a body puncher. Why do you brother. think today? Why do you think today's fighters don't embrace that? I mean, I, Canelo, I see as a great body better, puncher. A handful better. of others. Well, Ryan Garcia is becoming one. You know, I'll tell you why. Because in the amateurs, you didn't score more points, really, basically for body shots. So they stopped doing it, and and then all the great trainers passed, and so the new young kids were teaching a new version of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so much. I would take Joshua and turn him around. I could take Fury. I mean, Wilder, turn him around. But you don't get the chance. You just don't get the chance. And it's simple. I mean, it's simple. I got to get from A to B and then to C. It's not like maybe. This is your job. This is, this is the, the heavyweight championship of the world is on the line. You got to go. And if the ninth and 10th round come around and they ain't working out so good, change it. His corner said, well, you know, he was doing okay. I mean, you know, it was like, what? It's the heavyweight championship of the world. It's true. Um, Larry Holmes is correctly viewed as an all-time great. You fought him at his peak, in his prime, Larry Holmes. What was it like to fight prime Larry Holmes? 
Well, it was 115 degrees. He was patient. He waited. He was smart. I mean, I landed my good shots. I ran some good stuff. He would wait. And then when I threw six or seven punches, he'd land on one or two. So he, he had experience that I never saw. He worked with Ali all those years. Mm-hmm. And I love that guy today. And he didn't get the credit, really, that he deserves, which he, he really you know, didn't have the personality like Ali did. But he was as good a fighter. He was a he was a beast, and and so he was patient. He waited, you know, uh, and uh, I learned so much that night losing to him. I would have loved to fight him again. As a matter of fact, a few years ago there was talks we were going to go around and do be like a goodwill ambassadorship and go around to different states and do an exhibition. I yeah. thought that would be great, but you know it didn't turn out, and and now I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. No, it was 2019, even you were discussing yeah, uh, some yeah. kind of exhibition match yeah. there. It would have been fun. You know, it, it's funny, you're, as you say, you and Larry are are great friends now. The build up to that fight, it was a lot of racial undertones. There was, that. and I know you were you didn't like that at all. Well, he didn't, and I didn't. But I thought yeah. it was him, and he thought it was. I don't know who he thought it was, but I we didn't. I didn't like it. It was probably Don King creating atmosphere of hostility to make money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, the big thing was I was so mad going into that fight because of that. And then we get up into the ring. I can't wait to hit him. And he, says, he looks at me. He says, Jerry, let's have a good fight. Well, I said, what did you say that for? <laughs> you know, so, Disarmed you? Yeah, disarmed me somewhat. You know what I mean? But hey, listen, boxing is chess too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Boxing is a chess match. You looking for the openings. You're setting it up. He was great at that too. I love to get to the body. Once I got to the body and those hands started coming down, I turned it over the top. And uh, I had some good good, good uh, opportunities. I landed some good shots. It's just that, you know, experience. There's nothing like experience. It, it with, was, to, go to, go back to, to go back to the buildup for a second, like, I mean, it it was nasty. Like, there, there was, like, the clan was kind of, like, uh, getting involved on the outside, like, you know, commenting on it. Like, oh, it, yeah. it got... It got to be a real, like, what was the darkest part of it in your mind? Well, the whole thing, Chris, I want to tell you is that I had six or seven guys I grew up with in high school, and they, they came out to Vegas with me. So we were eating lobster tail and, and turtle soup. We, we didn't have no racism in our, in our camp. A couple of times I crossed paths with some of Holmes's entourage. They were pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like... Like I said, lobster tail and turtle soup. We were living the dream. I'm in Vegas. <laughs> you know, I got the President Reagan's phone call. I'm at a party from Frank Sinatra. I met Bob Hope. I, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad. I mean, I met everybody at a party for me and Holmes. So I, I didn't have no racism. Listen, I love it. You, you racist, I don't like you. I love everybody. I have this nice black dude around. He was kind of, he's a good friend of mine. And he was talking a little bit. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not, not, not prejudiced. I don't want to go there. I want to hear it. And that's all. Listen, mm-hmm. this is a tough world we live in. The world is messed up. But uh, boxing is great, Chris. Boxing is great. You know it. I've seen you grow up too in this, in this business. And it's a lot of fun to watch you. And I appreciate it. It is a lot of fun to be involved in it. And look, that fight with Holmes was stopped in the, what, the 13th round? After the 13th round, you remember. landed some bombs on him, especially body shots. I mean, when you're landing those punches and he's able to take them, like, what's going through your mind? 
Well, he he was he was smart, and he was mm. when I was coming with those body shots, he was putting his head behind my head and pulling me down a little bit, <laughs> took a little power off it, and made a couple of them go blow, which took away three points for me. That took away that with no experience. I thought I can't win now, I can't win. Instead of going out there, so I mean, he was very smart. He knew how to take the power out of the shots. I did land punch. He said one time. At the end of it, he said, thank God I hit him at the end of the round. He grabbed the, the, the ring uh, uh, rope and walked back to the corner. Mm-hmm. But he was smart. He was, you couldn't tell. He was like, he was, a, he was a con guy in there. He was pretty bright guy in there. It was very much fun fighting with that guy, you know, going to school through him. And he got the stoppage at the end. But I think if you didn't get deducted those points, you would have been up on the scorecards. Well, I mean, it was a close time. fight and, you know, yeah. I, you know, it was a close fight and, uh, you know, I, I, I had a great 10th round. I started to get tired, 120 mm. degrees out there that night and lack of experience, you know, uh, you know, like I said, after the fact, I learned so much about breathing and taking care of yourself. And I didn't have that experience. I wasn't gifted. I wasn't given with that. I wasn't given it. And so it was a lesson learned, you know, mm-hmm. my kids can fight my, you know, it's, I, listen, I get so many things I can do. I have a daughter that's 20 years old. that can fight like me as a puncher. My son is 23. He can fight like me. He's a puncher. These are the gifts I get to spend my years in the gym with my kids who want to fight, who mm-hmm. want to learn how to fight. I don't want them to fight. They're not, I don't think they're going to fight. They're very bright kids, but those are the gifts that we're given. You, you get you get through that fight, and it's an entertaining fight. It's a financially successful fight. Yeah. Are you thinking immediately afterwards that there's going to be a rematch? No, there was no no talks of it. Listen, I hated my management. I hated them. I hated Don King. I hated the whole year and a half waiting for it. It wasn't like you fight the next best guy. It was all bull. Hmm. It was a game, and I I had to live at it. And I had, to, I had to take the press writing about that. And I'm saying, what are you talking about? It's got nothing to do with me. And that I was like so disappointed and I wasn't planning on losing. I kind of disappeared for it. I remember HBO did a special and, and the opening song was, I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. Wow. And I had nobody to help, you know, bring me back. I still had a lot of fight in me. Mm-hmm. after that fight i mean are you looking to get i mean you had to take some time off you had some very low level fights in between yeah. that fight and the sphinx fight what's going on in your life during those years you know i put down alcohol april 21st 1988 up to that point i was thinking i was going crazy I was wild traveling all over the place. And you had a lot of money at that point, Jerry. I think you got paid the most for any title challenger ever up until that point. What, $10 million or something? I still do. What do you took my hat off? <laughs> Just saying it. At that, hey, for a guy in his 20s there, I mean, it's nice to have $10 million. Yeah, but, but you know what, Chris? I always knew the rainy day was coming. I knew there was going to be a rainy day. I've seen it all my life. And I took care of it. I, I, I put it away safe and... And, uh, and so, you know, I have these two hungry managers looking to make money. And so every once in a while, I'd be away for a while. I'd say, what am I doing with my life? I'm not doing anything. I'd take another fight. And then I'd hear the same stuff all over again. Then I'd disappear for it. Anyway, it was just, a, you know, it was a very disappointing. But looking back overall, 
it was what I needed to do to get to here where I am today, alive, mm. great family, three great kids, um, beautiful wife. And, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in boxing. Mm-hmm. I'm in boxing. When you look at the last two fights of your career with Spinks and Foreman, mm-hmm. which one of them, I don't know, is maybe more disappointed? Is one oh, haunt come you on. more than the other? Yeah, well, listen, you know, Spinks don't ever beat me in the ring yeah. if I'm Jerry Cooney. Mm-hmm. I was drinking up to the fight, uh, you know. You I'm, look, Jerry, you look just watching YouTube clips like the guy I saw, Norton, and right. then um, – Holmes, right. you look like a different guy. In well, that you know, fight. The, the yeah. life got to me. It, 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 you know, the, it, you're, I couldn't. I don't know. Just life got to me, and uh, and I was a walking dead man in there that night. Mm. I eat him alive any day of a week. That guy, that guy, I eat him. I cut him. I he had a pretty big cut on his on his face. I eat that up. Mm. George Foreman. I I was promoting some of his fights. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And one day he asked me, "What would you like to fight with me?" And I thought to myself, well, you know, I never did this really sober before. Why don't I take this? I, I got a shot to beat this guy. And I got in shape. It was, two, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I took the fight. And uh, I mean, I'm going into the fight. I'm going to have a great time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clancy wanted me to move for six, seven, eight rounds. Don't get into a slug fight with him. But I hit him with a hook on the chin. And I hit him with a body shot. And I felt it. And it, I saw first it. round, first round. You you heard him, and, and I first saw round. it, and I went after him. And you know he had a bunch of fights, you know, uh, leading up to that. Not the greatest of fights, but he was busy doing a lot of stuff every three weeks or whatever he was doing. And so I got caught with a shot, but it helped me finally, Chris, turn the page in my life. Mm-hmm. I answered the question. I did. I did it sober. I got in good shape. I felt good about myself. And I, I I lost, so I turned the page and got all my life, and 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 it's been wonderful ever since. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk free. That's right, you'll get up to one thousand dollars back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. My sneaky. Fight to watch this weekend. Jerron boots Ennis against Thomas DeLorme. Ennis, the promising prospect. A lot of potential. A lot of power. DeLorme, savvy veteran, but a lot of power. I like that fight to end inside the distance. Offers like this are just one of the many reasons I love betting on FanDuel. Is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use. There are safe and secure payouts. There are fast payouts, even better. The app Very easy to operate, and when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. With FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odd boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code BOXING. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You hit hard, but... Tell me how hard Foreman hits, or at least yeah, hit I against you. Shot. I could caught with an uppercut. Yeah. You know, I, 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 after the fight, I didn't realize that, you know, uh, I needed to keep this hand down here when I was coming down to throw the hook or left hook to the body, and I didn't. And, I, and he caught that. He was a smart guy and caught me with an uppercut, marked me. Mm. And so that's what happens. But like I said, looking back on the whole story, Jerry Cooney's living large right now. I've got a great mm. life. I have great friends. Uh, and I'm in the fight game and I'm enjoying it. I'm teaching it sometimes. I, you know, I, uh, nothing like helping somebody. Like I think about this story, I had this guy who was an accountant and I met him at Yankee Stadium. He wanted me to train him. He was bullied all his life, right? So he's a little guy and I trained him for a year and a half. He's like a monster. He's like, he has confidence about himself. He believes in himself. That's a gift. And I've mm-hmm. seen that. Thousands of times in my life, I've been able to do that. And I also go with orphan kids and hang around with kids that are struggling and teach them about themselves and how to love themselves and and to grow up and to let go of the anger because it's going too fast. Time. Hmm. When you've obviously done well since your your fighting career, as we've discussed here, if you could go back in those years in the 1980s and do anything differently, what would it be? Well, you know, I, you know, Listen, I'm going to tell you something, right? You said it, I'm doing all right. I love playing Jerry Cooney. 
I get to go and travel the country and the world and play Jerry Cooney. And I come home, I'm, my wife has the garbage by the back door for me, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the greatest thing in the world. And I love it. And I love people. So if it's, it's a great fit. What would I have liked to have done different? I would have liked to have had somebody that understood about the game. Wasn't looking to make the dollar. Wasn't looking to, was looking to make somebody successful. And, and not, when I say successful, I don't mean monetarily. I mean, you know, be the best you can be. Mm -hmm. Be the best you can be. I wasn't in there a few, a few fights. And I do regret it. But I also saved my life. In what way? I uh, didn't take those shots that, mm -hmm. you know, those other guys do that we see so much and we talk to so much and we try to help out so much. And those guys, they don't have the life I have, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, they didn't have somebody, I didn't have somebody really care for me, except my trainer, Victor Valley did. But, uh, you know, they, you know, the, 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 the lore of this fight game is that take one more fight. Mm -hmm. the roar of the crowd is hard to get away from when I walk out of the dressing room and you come to the stadium and this cheering, there's nothing like it. What was the moments like that? What's the one you'll always remember kind of that walking out of that dressing room, hearing the crowd. What's the one that you'll always remember? All of them. And I loved the Ron Lyle one in the Coliseum. I fought in the guard in Long yep. Island. Uh, Jimmy Young was a phenomenal one in Atlantic city. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, every fight has something. I remember every second of every fight, mm -hmm. what was going on in that moment mm -hmm. and what I was trying to accomplish and how I was trying to find it, make it happen and find the opening and get to here and see what happens. And look, I try and teach that today. People know one, two, three, jab, right hand, left hook. That's nothing part of it. It's no part of the game. I tell people. Parents, when they tell me, what about my kid? I said, take him to a gym, watch the guy who's teaching defense. You can, anybody can punch. Get the guy who's going to teach you how to stand right and be defensive. Mm -hmm. the, my, the guy would say, stink yesterday, stink tomorrow, but stick around to stink another day. I was an old, <laughs> an old fight guy. I used to say that all the time. You know, to go back to the Foreman fight for a second, yeah. I was surprised as I kind of, studied up on it a little bit like how many people were kind of against it i mean the, what was the it was called what geezer at the caesars or like it was you were getting yeah. killed for it for a while. you were only 33 years old at that you know, point i was having fun they were picking on him yeah and i was included in that and uh and i, I you know what we learn you got to get a hard skin and i learned mm -hmm. that really i mean i uh, michael katz i finally had a conversation with him 30 years later at the hawks hall of fame when he's being inducted about how wrong he was and he owned up to it. But, you know, that's... Unfortunately, they got the pen. You know what I mean? Mm. They got the pen. And so, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we love people. People love us. They don't love us. It's just mm. a fight, right? And so, um, listen, I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm sitting here smiling, <laughs> doing your show. I'm doing your show right now, bro. <laughs> It, last thing for you, Jerry. If you could have gotten the rematch with Holmes, I would have loved either. that fight with Holmes. I would have, I would have, I would have beat him. I'll tell you right now, I would have beat him if I had the shot to fight Holmes again. Man, I was ready, bro. I had learned that guy was good, and I learned so much that night. That's the problem. And I don't know why they didn't have a rematch. 
They, they it merited a rematch. We went 13 rounds. I saw Ryan O'Neill stand up into the 10th round and go, Cooney! That was a great round, by the way, the 10th round. Sometimes I go to the garden, and when they introduce me at the garden, they play that 10th round. I still get, I still get goosebumps. So you think you think you would have won the rematch? You think you learned enough? Oh, it's great. It was great. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a very good teacher of the game right now. I know it. I've seen it. I've ex- watched it. I've talked about it. It's a very simple game, but you have to perform at a level that merits you survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, listen, this is a hard game. This is, you know, you're taking, it's like a shock absorber. You only get so many shots. And then the shock absorber don't work no more. In the car, you change the shock absorber. We can't change it. Mm-hmm. There's no tough guys in boxing. There's no tough guys. There's smart guys. And even those guys struggle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Would uh, Jerry Cooney fighting today? W- I would love would- to fight today. Uh, and why? Because, because I can fight. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, me who I am today, if I was a young kid, clean, had, had, had some edge, somebody, you know, teach me something. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. This is A to B to C to A. You know what I mean? It's like, it's simple. I, had, I was given, I was born with a gift. At 16 years old, I won the middleweight championship. I had seven fights, five knockouts. I was six foot four, 160 pounds. I had to lose eight pounds the night before. <laughs> I could fight. I could punch. And I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it. Give it to me today, baby. Give me, give me a shot today. <laughs> Listen, it's all good. I love the game. I love all the fighters. Think about Errol Spence Crawford. I can't wait to see Shawnee Porter, Terrence Crawford. Mm-hmm. Better be Ev against Bivol Brown. or Joe yeah. Smith. Or, yeah. You know, there's so many great fights out there in the lightweight division. Tiafima Lopez fighting uh, fighting uh, Josh Campbell's Taylor. Is, Can you believe yeah, that? Josh Taylor, yeah. Ramirez. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in boxing today you guys are going to experience. And me too. It does, it does seem, Jerry... And, you know, maybe you have a different perspective, but like, as I watch today's fighters, they seem far less interested in legacy at this point. Like it's whatever happened in the last 20 years that made protecting that zero, the most important thing has caused boxing to be diminished. Whereas I I don't, I don't believe there was the same attitude in fighters, seventies, eighties, even early nineties. Well, that's, that's probably true, but it's coming to that now here. People are getting it. It's not because I lose a fight. That just gives me my experience and mm-hmm. want me to fight more, wants me to fight better. And that's coming around. The fight game is great today. Great today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, it, it's coming back strong. I love this game. And I it, think about the heavyweight division that, that's forming right now. And I'm going to tell you something. I was embarrassed for Anthony Joshua. You gotta be kidding me! You're the heavyweight champ of the world. That's how you're gonna fight. That's how you're gonna go out mm-hmm. and say it's oh, it's okay. It's not okay. You have the heavyweight championship of the world. You fight with your life. I wish he had someone to teach him because I love him as a guy. He's a great guy. But uh, that's how it will be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Jerry, I always love talking to you, man. I love thanks, listening Chris. to your show on SiriusXM. I love appearing on your show every so often. Uh, thanks for taking some time to join me here on my show. Chris, I had a great time. Thank you, guys. All right? I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.